Good morning. Welcome to the Cato Institute in Washington, D.C. I'm Kat Murthy, Cato's Digital Marketing Manager, and you are at our monthly new media lunch, where social media and digital strategy professionals from across the liberty spectrum come together to discuss strategies for spreading the ideas of liberty online. Uh, the hashtag for this lunch series is, as always, hashtag new media lunch. Feel free to jump into the conversation online on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, for those of you watching the live stream, you can also tweet in questions, and we'll take those at the end. Today, we'll be talking about finding and engaging your audience on Tumblr with our guest, Liba Wenig-Rubinstein. Liba works at the intersection of mass communication, social media, cause marketing, civic innovation, sustainability, digital activism, public policy, and triple bottom line business strategies. She's a busy woman. At Tumblr, she leads partnerships, programming, and outreach for social impact and public policy. Previously, Liba ran environmental sustainability at News Corporation, including the strategy to achieve carbon neutrality across the organization's global operations, which spanned 100 companies on five different continents. She also founded the Impact Channel for Social and Civic Engagement at MySpace and managed its public affairs team, launching groundbreaking initiatives around climate change, Darfur, social fundraising, and the 2008 U.S. presidential election. Liba serves as a member of the World Economic Forum's Global Agenda Council on Sustainable Consumption, is a board member of the civic engagement organization, the Bus Federation, is a mentor at Startup Accelerator, Launchpad LA, and advisor to nonprofits Why Tuesday and Invisible Children. Born and bred in Brooklyn, New York, and a graduate of Yale University, Liba now resides in Los Angeles with her husband and their cockapoo Henry. Liba? Hi, good morning or afternoon, everyone, uh, and all of you who are joining online from wherever you are. Um, it's a pleasure to be here talking to you on this beautiful DC day. Um, I know it didn't look like it was going to be beautiful yesterday, but um, those of you who, uh, who made it out here despite the imp imposing weather yesterday, I'm glad you're here. Um, <clears throat> so as Kat said, um, my name is Liba. Um, and I work at Tumblr. Um, and I'm going to talk today, I, I, I know there's probably a, a wide variety of levels of experience with Tumblr specifically in the room, so um, I'm going to do kind of a pretty basic background in what Tumblr is and how the product works, as well as going into some case studies and best practices for nonprofits. Um, so I hope that the, the basic stuff is not redundant for those of you who are active on the site, but um, I think even for those of you who know the site well, um, there's always sort of uh, secrets to uncover. Um, Tumblr is a really powerful storytelling platform, um, and I think the thing that makes Tumblr most distinct um, within the social media ecosystem, uh, and something that a lot of people including power users of the site don't really always understand, is um, the fact that we are where the open web and social networking meet. We are a social blogging platform. It means we're, it's sort of a schizophrenic product. Um, we have multiple personalities. We are both a publishing platform, which means that you have the cre complete creative control of the open web, the ability to um, design and throw up a beautiful looking website that's accessible to anyone um, on the web, and you're plugged into a social network um, of 180 million other blogs that can share and amplify 
your content. And so I'll talk about both sides of the product and sort of the, the, the benefits um, of both sides. And generally, and I work with a lot of um, nonprofits and, and other um, and public institutions and um, other folks who are kind of trying to wrap their minds around uh, this brave new world of social media. Um, often, I think the, the open website is actually um, the easiest way in um, for organizations, and I'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, but you can certainly optimize both at the same time. Um, so on part of what makes Tumblr distinct, um, and this connects to both sides of the product, is that there are basically no limitations with what you can post and how it appears. So, you know, unlike other social networks, you both have full control over how the content appears and you can post any type of media. And we have seven distinct post types that are designed to really optimize each type for the type of media that you're posting. They appear slightly differently on the dashboard. When we integrate with other, um, other social media products, they each post has a distinct way of appearing on the other sites as well. So they're really purpose-built so that you're your video is going to look as great as a video can look. Your images are going to look as great as images can look, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> and again, because of these multiple sides of the product, what you have is a very long life for one piece of content. So you have a piece of content that appears on the open web, that's shareable within this dashboard, logged in environment, and all of that is also optimized for mobile. So anywhere where you want to be and where your audience is, this content can get to them. <clears throat> and everybody loves bacon, so I decided to keep this, uh, this slide from the sales folks. Um, it's sizzling. It's so delicious looking. Um, and as I said, we, we play nicely with others. We really see Tumblr as being um, complementary, not competitive with other Social media, um, often organizations will choose to use Tumblr as, as the hub for a lot of their content for this reason. Um, and again, we, we take a lot of pride in our relationships and our integrations with other social media so that whether you're pulling in content from somewhere like Instagram or pushing it out to Twitter or Facebook, um, the, the integrations are really seamless. <clears throat> And again, just to reiterate sort of the, the multiple um, sides of the product, you have, you can own your own URL, you can SEO optimize and be searchable within Google or Yahoo search, um, and you have this engaged network. Um, we can talk about analytics later if folks are interested, um, and everything is optimized for mobile. So this is the dashboard. Um, you know, for those of you who are familiar with Tumblr, mostly through references to meme blogs that are, you know, that are spread across the blogosphere um, or covered in the press, you know, you may have had more contact with the web-facing side of Tumblr than the logged-in environment. So this is what the logged-in environment looks like. Um, the functionality, I think, will be familiar to you. Um, from something like Twitter. It's a reverse chronological feed of all the content from the people that you follow. Um, and uh, and the, the core functionality of following, reblogging, and liking or engaging is, is very similar to what you'll find elsewhere on the web. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about the reblog in a second. But just to give you a sense of 
who is this community that you reach through the dashboard? Um, the open web is one thing, but the dashboard gives you access to a very specific and special community of Tumblr users. Um, we have around 175 million monthly global uniques, 100 million posts per day, about 80% of which are reblogs. So people are sharing a lot of content all the time. Um, 125,000 new signups per day. Um, demographically, we don't collect a ton of information about our users, but from what we know, um, we're pretty much 50-50 male-female, which is actually pretty unique um, among social networks. And I think particularly important for this audience, we really over-index for millennials, so young voters, um, 18 to 34 is alone almost 50% of our audience. Um, and you know, there's a lot of publicity about Tumblr as a place for teenagers. Um, you know, the teenagers are fleeing Facebook and coming to Tumblr, et cetera, et cetera. That's obviously not, it's not borne out in the, in the overall numbers. Um, teenagers are, are by no means our, the majority of our users, but they are super, super engaged. And just to give you a um, sort of anecdotal evidence of that, um, we have a post limit that's designed to prevent spamming. Um, we don't publicize the exact number, but it's somewhere around 250, 300 posts a day. Um, we get complaints from teens every day, dozens of hundreds of complaints from teens who are hitting their post limit, who want the post limit lifted. So th that's the kind of engagement that you're getting from that audience that I think you know, make, makes that audience pretty unique um, on Tumblr. But again, the, um, the core of our audience is sort of under, under 34, um, growing steadily in all the other demos as well. But I think that's a, a really important audience. Um, for you guys. And the most important thing is actually not how many people we have on the site, but how engaged they are. And that's what makes uh, the logged in community of Tumblr members very special. Um, we, uh, depending on what metrics you use, we're sort of neck and neck with Facebook in terms of engagement, um, leaving pretty much every other social network, like way far behind in the dust, as I'm sure you guys um, follow. Um, this is true both in terms of time spent as well as um, how much content is consumed in every session. And the thing that's really significant about this, I think, is that if you, if you compare the functionality of Tumblr to the functionality of Facebook, and you think about us as sort of the, the, two, um, the two great environments for engagement, um, on Facebook, people are doing a zillion different things. They're messaging with their friends. They're playing games. Tumblr is exclusively about creating, curating, and sharing content and consuming content. And so, you know, to the extent that you think of yourselves and your organizations as content creators and publishers and communicators in what you're trying to do through social media, um, you know, theoretically, 100% of that engagement that we're talking about here is around, could be around your content, um, as opposed to kind of, uh, you know, distracted among many other functions. We're pretty consistently number one in engagement out of ComStore's 100, top 100 web properties because of those metrics. Um, but even more importantly, um, and you know, there's still a narrative that's live and well out there about the apathy of young people, the, you know, the, the sort of clicktivism or slacktivism uh, phenomenon where 
you know, maybe these are these teenagers who are hit, coming up against our post limit. They're just in their pajamas all day, you know, in their bedrooms, and they're not really interacting with the outside world. And they're reblogging gifts, but they're not sort of active, engaged citizens. And so, what does it mean to engage those people online and to get a lot of reblogs or likes or uh, or shares from them if they're not engaged offline? Well, what we find. Um, and this is all through sort of inferred um, third-party data through Comscore, um, our unusually actively engaged audience online is also engaged offline. And this is a community that is um, more likely than the average internet user, as well as their peers across other social networks, to be, you know, to be the ones that their friends go to for advice about current events and politics, to be registered to vote. Um, to be to to donate money to an organization to actually show up to a, a rally in real life. So you know this is not engagement that is um, that is uh, saved for the online environment. It's something this is actually part of the personality. These these are influential, engaged individuals, both online and off. <clears throat> and so, what does that engagement look like? Um, what does it mean when we say? We're engaged. So the, again, as I said, the functionality will be familiar to you. Um, building a following so that you have people who, are, who have opted in to get your content in their feed. It's about um, that immediate feedback that is so satisfying on a platform like Instagram, for example, of like that, that immediate, yes, I think this, this content is great. And then there's the ownership of that content and the appropriation of that content as part of your followers and their followers' identities, and they're sharing it as part of their own narrative and their own conversation online. And it's the reblog that's really very special. Um, it was actually created um, shortly before the retweet existed. Um, and the idea of the reblog was really to, um, to be an answer to what at that point um, was a pretty frustrating environment of online commenting, um, especially before your, your online identity through Facebook Connect or something like that was really following you around. I mean, you could just kind of dump vitriol on someone else's content and walk away. Um, and the idea of the reblog was that, was, was to try to create a more positive environment for engagement, um, not to cut off conversation, obviously, but to say that if you have something to say about someone else's content, you have to own that, and you have to be prepared for all of your followers to see what you said. It doesn't mean that there aren't, you know, trolls on Tumblr or there aren't, you know, people who act inappropriately on Tumblr. It's the internet. It's humanity. That's how it is. But we actually do. There, there was. This has actually been quantified. I think it was an Adobe study um, that uh, that rated Tumblr as the um, the the number one in positive sentiment across all social networks. So generally, like the, the comments and the content that is being shared and posted on Tumblr tends to be more positive. Um, and that is part of what, and I'll mention this again later, in terms of content strategy, on Tumblr, positive definitely um, succeeds more than negative. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's a better strategy, and it's, it's also the way that the that the site is engineered and the way that the reblog was, um, was conceived. And the other powerful thing about the reblog is just this ability to amplify um, your audience, amplify your message. Um, 
it gives people the ability to own it, make it part of their online identities, as I said. Um, and the beauty of it is, and we can talk about this more in the analytics piece as well, you can actually identify through some of the analytics we have who the individuals are who are sharing your content the most and who are sharing it most effectively. Because there may be people in your network who are regularly engaging with your content and regularly um, getting your content in front of other people who aren't necessarily following you. Um, or who, you know, as, as a follower might just be one among many followers, but you can actually identify who are those really influential followers um, who are giving your content a lift and you can, you know, perhaps decide to engage with them directly um, and at a different level than, than your other followers and sort of cultivate that relationship. The other thing that's pretty special about the reblog is that um, it gives content a very long life. So <clears throat> Tumblr is actually a great place for archival content and evergreen content in a way that other platforms tend to be much more immediate and ephemeral. Um, I, you know, I, one of the, you guys probably know better than I do, but on Twitter, there's some role, like if, you're, if your tweet hasn't gotten an engagement within 20 minutes, like it's gone forever. And if you want engagement around that content, again, you're going to have to repost it. Um, and on Facebook, it's pretty much impossible to go back and find something that someone has posted, you know, hours, days before. On Tumblr, content actually, a third of all reblogs occur 30 days after the content was posted. So the life of content on Tumblr um, can have, you know, peaks that come days, weeks, months after the original posting of the content. So um, it's another reason why, and, and I'll talk, I'll mention this again in best practices, why content needs to travel with context because you don't know when someone might discover it, you know, a month down the line when it perhaps isn't as timely, but it's still compelling. You want to make sure that they know that it's connected back to you um, because people might be finding it a long time after you initially post it. Um, and 60% of all reblogs come from downstream. Again, people who are not following you. The majority of shares are happening from people who are not in your immediate follower network. So what does this look like? Um, what are nonprofits actually doing? Um, I think about these examples as sort of archetypes or, or um, uh, sort of different use cases for Tumblr in the nonprofit sector. And the, the first and most important one is a lot of the organizations and institutions I work with, and you may identify with this, either have websites that are built on very old technology, or maybe they have really beautiful state-of-the-art sites that were built, you know, for a very discounted rate or for free by a, by a big agency. And then when you want to change something, you know, you're kind of at the bottom of their priority list. So it's very hard to keep your website in a tradition, your traditional website living and breathing um, and to keep it really up to date. And there was a study recently, a millennial impact study um, that came out this year that showed that 75% of millennials are turned off by a nonprofit website that, do, that doesn't have current content on there. If it's, if it's static, if they come to a static homepage, they're going to click away. Um, and for a lot of organizations, that's a really difficult problem to, to address. Um, Tumblr is a really great way to fill that gap. 
and to extend your website onto a platform that can essentially work as a content management system for part of your web identity that helps to keep it alive and well. Um, an example here that I that I am not showing in the in the presentation, but I can send out links afterwards. Um, the Born This Way Foundation, which is Lady Gaga's foundation, actually uses Tumblr to power, so it has its own website, but it uses the Tumblr API to pull in posts from its Tumblr to power the majority of its homepage. So it has sort of a static, um, uh, it has sort of a sign up at the very top and a static image, and then below it is this constant update of content that's coming from Tumblr. The other way to think about it is that actually you can build your whole website on Tumblr. Because you can assign your own URL, um, the experience to someone visiting you from the open web is pretty much in, you know, totally unidentifiably different from coming to your website. And this, this function is used both for building microsites, and I wish this was actually live online because this is a spectacular site. Um, Dadab stories built by FilmAid, um, who'd been, um, this is the, Dadab is the largest refugee camp in the world. Um, FilmAid had been working there for years, um, bringing sort of multimedia skills and resources to help these refugees tell their own stories and really as sort of a coping mechanism more than anything else. And they had thousands of hours of footage that had never seen the light of day and they decided to put it all on Tumblr. If you go to the site, you know, it has its own URL, does not look anything like what you imagine a Tumblr site would be. It doesn't look like a blog. Um, it's really beautiful. Um, and for them, it was just the, the easiest and most expeditious way to manage the content. And they knew that it was going to be easy to post and therefore really easy to share. So they were doing, it was sort of doing double duty for them. Um, we also see this with um, the you know, the very common usage of Tumblr as the official sort of corporate blog. Um, and that's maybe not the sexiest use of Tumblr and maybe not the one that's gonna get you the most buzz, but it's also, I mean, if you think about sort of your, your organizational blog on your website, um, it's very hard to get people there. You have to use all of your other communications, um, communications uh, assets to drive people there. It's usually not the first thing that you're gonna promote from your homepage because you have some specific action you want people to take or you have some specific issue, but you have this blog that you're creating content for and it's kind of a dead end on your site. Um, that's a great kind of entry point into using Tumblr. Just use the blog.whatever.org and assign that to a Tumblr. You can skin it to look exactly like your site so that the experience to a web user is pretty much the same. This is actually true of the US federal government's blog, blog.usa.gov, run by the GSA, is actually a Tumblr. Um, uh, they are actually reblogging content from other federal agencies. Um, and again, it's like, you know, not particularly sexy content. There aren't a lot of animated GIFs there, but you know, you think about like the efficiency of that and the the um, kind of horrible state of uh, of government's technology right now. And it's a pretty expeditious way of um, of reaching uh, reaching the public and also reaching an audience that probably wouldn't otherwise spend a whole lot of time engaging with content from from the U.S. government. Um, Another way to think about Tumblr, um, especially because of a couple functionalities that I, that I haven't yet um, outlined, our um, submission function and our question and answer function, is to actually use Tumblr 
as a way to serve your audience um, and to deliver whatever services um, your organization delivers. So we see this in a lot of different ways. Um, there are public health organizations uh, or sexual health organizations that are using Tumblr as a way to, for people to submit questions that are then getting answered. Um, I love this example from the New York City Department of Transportation, which is actually, they have a blog dedicated to filling potholes. Again, like not the most sexy function of government, but like pretty basic and something that everybody really wants to work. And this is a way of collecting the information that they need to deliver that service, and then also reporting back on how the service has been delivered um, in a way that's like very simple and straightforward, accessible, um, and and buzzword. You know, it's 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 cute. It's a little buzzy, um, but it's very core to you know, the function of that department and uh, kind of straight to the point. Um, another one that I love, I'm sure you guys are all familiar with those s sort of single question websites where you, you come and you just get one answer at a time. Um, you can do that on Tumblr as well. I've seen that in a zillion different cases. Um, this is one that's run by the same guy who does um, uh, uh, the, he, he basically just posts charts that are used on the floor of the house. Um, and he takes screenshots from C-SPAN and just like puts chart, it's just like Senate charts. It's, it's kind of brilliant and hilarious. And he did one, um, is Congress in today? You know, just like really quick and to the point, like is Congress in session? What's going on? Um, this is especially useful during uh, the government shutdown. <clears throat> Another way of thinking about um, Tumblr is this sort of single theme blog. And this is something that, you know, if you've in interacted with any of the meme blogs on Tumblr, you're probably familiar with, um, you know, anything from what should we call me to text from Hillary to, you know, any of the many mean girls themed Tumblrs. Um, but that, that same idea can be used in a much more serious context. One of my favorite examples of this is the World Bank, um, which uh, wanted to get into Tumblr, um, wasn't really reaching this audience, um, you know, they produce a lot of original content, but they weren't really in a position to turn that content into content that was going to be really shareable on Tumblr. Um, but what they, one of the things that they really wanted to do was access this audience that's super engaged on Tumblr, which is the sort of um, creative tech intersection. Um, because they have 800 data sets that are available um, on their site, uh, data sets around international development issues that nobody knows about. <laughs> And they wanted to publicize these data sets and get sort of data artists um, and technologists to dig into them and make useful things out of them. So they decided to make a Tumblr that was just a curation site of the best data visualization about international development out there. Pretty specific, pretty wonky um, topic, but it was targeted at the audience that they wanted to build, and it was a way of building their brand awareness in that audience um, and around expertise. So instead of being exclusively original content, it was actually like, we are just going to be the clearinghouse for all the best stuff in this area. And so they were able through the Tumblr bookmarklet and through other, you know, the, it, we make it very, very easy for you to post anything that you find anywhere else on the web directly to Tumblr without saving things and clicking through and all of that stuff. 
And so they became this destination for exactly the audience they wanted. They amassed like 25,000 followers in a very short period of time. And then, and now they're able, and you'll see it if you follow them on Twitter or on other social networks, they're, every month or so, they're doing a call out to that community to submit data visualizations through their Tumblr. Um, so they were able to kind of build the brand, build the expertise um, around this one topic, and now they're able to go back to that audience and, and ask them to engage. And as I said, we have these tools, um, Q&A and submission, that are pretty unique. And you know, when, when, you're thinking, when you think about um, user-generated content, the sort of standard for that these days is a hashtag campaign, right? You, you create a unique hashtag, you publicize it, then you have to publicize what the hashtag means and what kind of content you want to be around the hashtag. And then you have these you know, hashtag pages on various sites that are just like, any content that anyone has posted that's using that hashtag, much of which might be content that's either irrelevant, you know, at best irrelevant, at worst, like, inappropriate. You really have no control over that content at all. Um, and and um, you, uh, you then collect the best of it and publish it somewhere else, right? And, you know, and I think that's great, and that's something that works on Tumblr too. Tags on Tumblr work very similarly. Um, but sometimes you want an environment that's a little bit more controlled. Um, and the submission form on Tumblr goes into a private inbox. You have the ability to choose what, when, and how you publish it, um, and if you publish it. You have the ability to edit the post before it's published so that it can be in line with your, you know, your brand standards or whatever. Um, and we see that used, I mean, all over the place. In addition to the fact that all of the meme blogs for which Tumblr is famous are primarily user-generated content, um, so if, if you look closely, like all those blogs, there were maybe five posts from the original creators and then everything else is a submission after that. Um, there's also much more sophisticated uses of, of that, both the kind of Q&A serving the community function that I mentioned earlier, but also NPR does tons of these um, that are tied into themes that they're dealing with on air. Um, where they'll have a Tumblr that's just for user submissions around this topic. Um, this one is about women in the workplace. They've used the API to um, kind of customize the submission page a little bit. And it comes out in this like really beautiful tile of a ton of user-generated content that they can then pull from, organize in different ways, um, integrate into their on-air or whatever. Um, so th that sort of controlled environment for collecting user-generated content is really powerful. And again, those functions are available and accessible to people on the open web, not just people who are logged into Tumblr. Um, and now we come to some best practices, and I'll try to wrap up, um, and we'll open it up for questions. Um, keep it simple, visual, colorful, positive, as I mentioned. Um, definitely focus on quality over quantity. Um, and as I said, because the lifetime of a post can be so long, you want to make sure, and because most of the amplification is going to come from people who are not your followers, you want to make sure that there's enough context um, in the original post that people know what it means and who it's associated with. Um, because people are reblogging as a way to, um, to project a certain online identity, you know, think about posts that, you, that people might want to collect that might be evergreen, um, that might help them express who they are. Um, and have fun and be flexible. I mean, one, 
that's part of being a good Tumblr citizen also. One of my all-time favorite examples of this is actually um, when the Heritage Foundation launched their Tumblr. And one of the first posts they, one of the early posts they made was, you know, they were trying to approximate this sort of meme uh, design with the image and the text overlaid. And they made the horrible, horrible mistake of using the wrong font. And they, you know, many of their followers responded to this in, you know, pretty good natured tone. I, you might not be able to read it on here, but um, someone said, Comic Sans, really, Heritage Foundation, really? And they reblogged that and said, noted, lots of hate for Comic Sans shall be avoided in the future. Like, instead of being scared away, um, they kind of rolled with it, they responded, they engaged. Like, that is totally the right thing to do. Um, and it's totally part of the Tumblr ethos. And so, you know, they just, they just went with it. Um, this is a, um, the one on the bottom left is a submission to Planned Parenthood, which is one of those organizations that uses Tumblr for actually delivering services. Um, where they respond, you know, someone gave them positive feedback and they responded with a happy gif. Like, that is the kind of being a good Tumblr citizen, but it's also about um, spreading your links. Like, when you, when you um, engage with people within the network, um, it is showing people that you're there. Uh, and I know for a lot of organizations, controlling the message is really, really important. But reblogging is a, both a great way to spread your links, also a great way to source more content that's relevant to your to what you do that might not be all original, but it allows you to put your own personal spin on it, and it allows you to become part of a conversation that's already taking place. Um, Tumblr folks, unlike on some other sites, tend to post outside of working hours, so you can schedule and queue posts. Um, they tend to get most engagement um, evenings and weekends. Um, that's a good thing to keep in mind. And tagging is super important and seems really obvious, but um, something to reiterate. Um, tags are about discoverability. They're also about organization. Um, it's a great way you can use tags to organize the content on your page so that um, you, can, you can use tags to create navigation on the site. Um, and we now have the ability to serve up popular tags that are related to the tag that you're writing in. We also have, through our analytics partner, the ability to actually monitor a conversation that's happening around topics that are relevant to you so that you can see what are the tags that people are already using to talk about these issues, and then you can use those tags to get in on that conversation. Um, and then I will, I will stop here because I have a whole little coda about the animated GIF, which is just the best thing ever. Um, but we will, we will just rush through that and, um, and go to questions, because I know we're running out of time. So I'm just going to rush through this to the end. So while you're rushing through, um, what do you think that the purpose of a GIF is? Is it, do they work better than images? Are images still better? Well, the majority of posts on Tumblr, about 60% of posts are image-type posts. Um, that includes animated GIFs, so we don't actually have the ability to distinguish um, because they're the same post type. But the, the power of the animated GIF is that it's this, in a, in, a, in a scrolling feed like Tumblr's, where you're actually, the, the, the purpose of the feed, you know, unlike in Twitter where you're scanning things, 
And then you might find something you want to engage with, and then if you want to engage with it, you click on it and you engage with the content. On Tumblr, like all the content is right there. So people are, they're skimming, they're, they're looking, you can actually watch the video in the feed, you can read the whole article in the feed, all of that stuff. An animated GIF is a great way to sort of arrest people, get them to pay attention. Um, it's also a way to communicate an entire idea um, that requires very little active engagement from the audience, right? You don't have to press play. Um, if, if it catches your eye, I mean, it, and, and obviously this same idea is being adopted by other platforms, the sort of autoplay on Instagram video, like all that's the same idea, right? Where, um, where you wanna be able to scroll through and actually see you know, see a moving image, see a narrative that's happening, and choose to kind of sit there and sit with it and, and engage with the whole thing. But it's an incredible way to simplify ideas and communicate them. Um, serious issues, the one that was right before this um, is uh, a GIF set. Um, sorry. There you go. Grab attention, tell a whole story, get right to the point. Lower barrier to entry, link high and low culture. Um, this is a gift set that is, you know, you might, could have been a storyboard for an animated video, but it is in and of itself like a piece of content. You can, you can post it as a set. Um, it's very popular now to do recaps of popular TV shows in animated gift sets. You literally can see an entire scene of a TV show that you missed last night in your feed an animated GIF set. Um, but it's a great way to communicate um, complex issues, whole ideas uh, in a way that's super engaging in the dashboard. Um, and I think it's become really a, uh, a new art form, um, a new communications form. It's, it's you know one of our modern versions of the political cartoon or sort of an analogy to a soundbite. Like it plays into the same dynamics that make those things work for us. Um, we can talk more about the gift. Okay. Well, kind of connected to that, um, what kind of images work best on Tumblr? I guess you said you couldn't really tell so much, but should every post have an image? Um, is it good to have more than one image? Is it better to stick with one central image? Um, I would generally just encourage experimentation and seeing what your audience responds to. Um, again, because even the trends across all of Tumblr are only going to be so relevant. Um, to you, there are niches, you know, just like the internet, Tumblr is made up of many niche, niche communities, you know, and there's a, there's a huge long-form journalism community on Tumblr and long-form um, fiction community on Tumblr, people who are actually, like, reading 1,000-word, 2,000-word essays, like, in their dashboard. So I wouldn't say that's generally my best practice for Tumblr, but there's an audience there for it. Um, you know, and I think, I think all of social media is, is going in the direction, right, of moving away from vanity metrics to understanding the value of engagement. And um, Tumblr was sort of prescient on that point. We don't publicize your follower count, so we're, you don't have this sort of race to accumulate followers. Each post, you know what your, who your followers are and you know how many you have, but it's not something that's public about the profile. So you're never gonna have the like Ashton Kutcher CNN race to a million followers thing where you're just like accumulating a lot of numbers that may or may not be meaningful. It's about each post standing on its own. And so, you know, the, the, um, the type of content that might be meaningful to your niche audience might be different from what it is for another organization, but I would say, like the you know the heritage example, like 
experiment and see what the response is. And also see, again, like on the topics that you are dealing with, like look at what other people are posting and what, what the most successful content around those topics has been and use that as a way to guide um, what you should do rather than a one-size-fits-all kind of strategy. Okay. So then uh, what, what kind of uh, metrics should people be using to figure out whether or not their Tumblr posts are working? What, what do you know to know if something's working well, if you need to tweak something? Sure. I mean, it, again, it depends. I think like all digital metrics these days, there's so many different numbers. Finding the ones that are meaningful is the hard part. Um, and a lot of that has to do with what your goals are. Um, and, and some of that is going to relate to whether you're optimizing primarily for the web-facing side of Tumblr or primarily for the dashboard side of Tumblr. Um, and again, you can do both at the same time well, but they're, they're slightly different goals and they, they serve slightly different purposes. So, um, you know, the web-facing side of Tumblr is just helping you do what you want to do on the web. And so your metrics might be more like your metrics for a normal website and you'll install Google Analytics and you'll... Um, you'll look at click-throughs and you'll look at referrals and you'll look at you know, all of those and traffic and all of that stuff and time spent um, as opposed to necessarily the engagement around specific posts within the dashboard. If your goal is, well, Tumblr, there's an audience on Tumblr that I don't think I'm reaching through my other social networks and it's an audience that I really want to reach and what I care about is engaging those people who are logged into Tumblr, then you're a very dashboard-focused strategy and then you're going to look at you know, likes and reblogs primarily, um, especially reblogs, and and use the Tumblr analytics to to understand, you know, whether your total reach is increasing, um, whether uh, whether you you know identifying who your champions are, who the influencers are in your network, all of that sort of stuff. Okay, to take it this to a slightly different channel. Um, why would an organization that already has a blog launch a Tumblr? Would it be for these kind of specific projects? Would it be more of a social side thing? Or I think it could be all of the above. I've, I've seen organizations who have blogs just move their blog to Tumblr. Um, again, for the reasons that I described earlier, the blog tending to be sort of a dead end um, and something in which the organization is already investing in creating original content and just sort of moving that to an environment where that content is going to be automatically shareable more easily than it was on, a, on site. Um, but it could certainly be, you know, uh, again, a dashboard-centric um, strategy would be a social strategy. It would be mm -hmm. like, this is, another, this is another part of our social media ecosystem because we think we're going to reach people here that we're not reaching elsewhere. Um, or it can be, you know, a microsite for a particular campaign, kind of rapid response. It's so easy to put something up that looks exactly the way you want it to look, that it's, we see it a lot during campaign season as just these, like, uh, sites that are, whose goal is not to accumulate followers or to build a community over the long term, but just to create something that's accessible to the open web that they can refer to that's really quick and easy. So it, it all depends on what you need. Okay. Um, and I will throw you one lowball question before okay. I go to Twitter questions. Um, what is your favorite thing that you see people doing on Tumblr, and what is the most annoying thing? <sighs> yeah. um, my favorite thing that I see people doing on Tumblr, I mean, I think my, I think my favorite thing about Tumblr, and I, it's one of the reasons why I love the gift so, mu the gift so much, 
um, is because I do think part of what Tumblr represents in the zeitgeist is this meeting of high and low culture and the way that you can um, really talk about serious issues through, you know, pop culture references, and it doesn't actually make them less serious, but it makes them more relatable. Um, and, and other versions of that, right? Taking, a, taking a, an art form or a, a, a file type that used to be just like annoying blinky things on MySpace pages and turning it into something that can be really beautiful and really meaningful. Um, so I, that's, that's what I love most about Tumblr is that I think it's a, it's a, um, a meeting of high and low um, and a, a, a willingness to kind of do things differently among our users who are creative people um, that I love. The most annoying thing, um, well. That might be a bit harder than I. Yeah, no, it's hard. I, I will say um, one thing that I didn't know about before I started working at Tumblr was this subset of, um, of Tumblr users who, um, who are sort of um, trolls for good. Um, it's like called the social justice community on Tumblr, and they're they're all like incredibly well intentioned. But it's it's this sort of like they're they're going around looking for people who are sexist and looking for in a way that like you almost don't see in real life. And it's it's a fascinating community on Tumblr, and I I feel like it exists there in a way that it doesn't exist on on other sites. And it's it it's just sort of endlessly. Um, interesting to me um, that, 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 that that behavior, there's sort of like gangs of people who go around and like, you know, try to hold people to high standards, um, but in the same tactics that might be used for other yeah, more totally. nefarious things. Okay, so we've got a question from uh, Bonnie Christian on, Tumblr, on Twitter, sorry, who says, Hi, regarding images on Tumblr, I found an image containing a headline on an engaging story is guaranteed to get 1,000 plus notes, is that common? A, a headline, I, I'm not sure exactly what she means, um, but I will say that um, link, she, she might be talking about a link post, um, which like Facebook pulls in the sort of main image and content from whatever you're linking to, but you have control over what that headline, like the main text of the link is gonna be. And so, you know, just like, you know, just like a lot of sites do BuzzFeed Upworthy, like the packaging of that content is gonna make a big difference in terms, of, um, in terms of engagement. So I don't know if that's exactly what she meant, but headlines certainly do matter. Okay, we've got one more question we're gonna take from Tumblr. Oh, I'm sorry, too many T things. <laughs> from Twitter, and then we're gonna cut off the uh, live stream and just go to questions in the room. Okay. Um, Hunter Patterson asks, um, how does Tumblr measure um, engagement, and how does it allow users to measure? Yeah, so all the, the those basic things that I've mentioned before. So you can see um, number of overall engagements, which include, we call them notes, which includes both reblogs and hearts. Um, you can isolate one from the other. You can look at um, total followers, um, total sort of influencers in your network, who's sharing it the most. Um, that's all kind of basic stuff that comes through our Tumblr um, activity page, um, comes with every account. Um, you can see that up to a month worth of content, so you can see patterns over time and all that stuff and organize it in different ways. 
Um, our third-party partner union metrics, which is the um, sort of only official consumer-facing um, uh, analytics provider for Tumblr that takes our, our fire hose and digs into the data, does versions of all of that, but over a much longer period of time, and you can slice and dice the data in a zillion different ways. You can see reblog trees of a popular post and see exactly where it traveled and who, you know, the nodes where it got amplified the most, and then you can engage directly with those individuals. And it also, as I mentioned, allows you to track the same sort of engagement around topics, um, which is really valuable in terms of plugging into conversations that are already happening, um, monitoring either what people are saying about you specifically and your organization specifically, or just about the issues that you focus on, and then being able to use that information um, to help you do what you do better. Okay, with that, thank you to everyone in our online audience today. Hope that you enjoyed uh, today's new media lunch and that we'll see you at our next one come July.